Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. So I'd just like to take a moment to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Whatever it is that you're celebrating in this time of strangely foreshortened winter, I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful time with your friends and your family over Christmas. Now, I also hope that your family and your friends have a slightly less wonderful time with you. And I would like to open by quoting from Ecclesiastes. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now I need to ask you, my friends, when you look across the panoply of the world, do you believe that now is a time for silence? Do you believe that now is a time to hold your tongue in order to keep peace with those around you? When you see a tsunami, perhaps even of blood itself, rushing across the horizon towards the village of those you love, do you say, well, I don't want to disturb their meal, so I'm going to keep quiet, maybe just edge my way towards an exit and make for the hills on my own? Love compels us to confront those who either through willpower, through avoidance, or through ignorance remain blind to the disasters that are rushing towards us. It is not compassion to refrain from confronting the illusions of those around you, particularly if those illusions will destroy not themselves only, but you and your future and your children's future as well. It is not compassion to be silent when it is a time for speaking up. It is cruelty and it is cowardice. We all see these movies where moral courage is pulling out a lightsaber or flying a spaceship or hacking someone with a sword. This is not what courage is. These are the things that happen in the absence of courage. Think about the soldiers in World War II. The courage that it took to jump off the landing boats and into the hail of gunfire on D-Day. Or to fly, as the young British pilots did in the summer, of 1940 up into the skies in the beautiful clear summer of 1940 to shoot down the Messerschmitt 109s with the Spitfires and Hurricanes. What kind of courage did that take? Well, it took a lot of courage. But that courage was only necessary because of the cowardice that preceded it. All wars result from cowardice. All disasters that are avoidable result from cowardice. And we are not in a state as yet in the world where disastrous 
have become unavoidable. The courage to speak the truth about the world we live in is necessary now in order to avoid the desperate martial courage that results when society goes through a collapse, the likes of which have probably never seen before because we've never had such a large population dependent on such a complicated infrastructure of food delivery, heat delivery, and stability. We fight with words now to avoid the fight with guns later. And that is the courage. If you listen to the show, and if you follow economics, and if you follow philosophy, and if you have any shreds of moral fiber in your being, this is the courage that is necessary now. The reason I'm talking about this at Christmas is because, of course, I wish to use words to avoid the necessary courage of disaster. But it is better to avoid disaster through moral courage than to survive disaster with martial courage. Because Christmas is a time where everyone gathers together. I do it, you do it, we all gather together with our family and our friends, and everybody's around the table, the groaning table of crackers and dead birds, and uh, strangely once a year stuffing that is not bad, and you eat it and you say, we should have this more often, and you forget about it completely until Thanksgiving and Christmas of next year, but everyone is around, and there will be a strong undercurrent of fundamental denial almost guaranteed around the whole table. Nobody is going to want to talk about difficult things. No one is going to want to talk about difficult things like national debts, like continued warfare welfare states, like fiat currency, like interest rates, like the fathomless and bottomless evils and corruptions of politics and the Federal Reserve. Nobody is going to want to talk about Donald Trump, or if they do, they're just going to want to roll their eyes and call him a clown. Nobody is going to want to talk about immigration. Nobody's going to want to talk about the potential incompatibilities between, say, Sharia law and the life that anyone over 100 IQ finds worth living. These are things that nobody's going to want to talk about. We're all together. Let's be nice. Now, you could argue this may be coming just a little bit more from the women than from the men. Too bad. These things need to be talked about. The government is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and its escalation of debt accumulation is unparalleled in human history. The amount of unfunded liabilities the U.S. government alone holds runs over $150 trillion, or close to 10 times the annual GDP of the United States, a fundamentally and absolutely unpayable bill. What's going to happen? What is going to happen when the government cannot pay its bills? These are questions that need to be asked. Yes, it's going to make people uncomfortable. But what is your alternative? What is your alternative? When I had cancer, it was not comfortable to hear that I had cancer. What was the alternative? With the doctor, the doctor would have given me a short-term relief by saying, "Oh, it's nothing. It's benign. It's fine. It suits you." It would have given me some temporary relief at the expense of my long-term survival. If you know the problems in the world, if you know the challenges in the world, you must speak them. You have no moral choice. You have a choice. You can always back away, be a coward, and conform to the estrogen-based subjugation of every free thought and opinion on the planet. You say, well, I want the First Amendment. I want freedom of speech. Except with those I love, I'm only going to shut up and zip it because it makes people uncomfortable. Well, 
You're already living in a dictatorship if you can't speak your mind and speak the truth to those you love. And to those whose knowledge should be a shield to protect them from the oncoming disasters that will inevitably occur unless we wake the hell up. And they're not going to wake up on their own. Everybody's Google-eyed by the hypnotic car media. Oh, everything's fine. Don't be so heavy. Don't be such a drag. Troubled times. People have been saying that for 5,000 years. Don't worry, man. Chill out. Smoke a doobie. Have some more sleepy, chemical-laced turkey, man. You'll be everywhere, right? Uh, This is people who want to sleepwalk off a cliff. People who don't want to wake up because then they'll be awake to their own cowardice at having avoided these topics for so long. These things must be talked about. Taxation is the initiation of force. Single motherhood is bad for children. Spanking is the violation of the non-aggression principle. Child abuse is epidemic in society. The next generation is being sold off to stuff the gaps of the politicians' promises to buy votes from losers in the here and now. The number of parasites in society is vastly overwhelming the number of productive people. The vampires are outnumbering the victims and nothing but dried blood is going to stain the streets of the future unless we change. We must change. We must change. You understand that, right? You need to communicate that with all of the urgency of an ER doctor during a shootout. You must convince people that the status quo is suicide. You understand this. You must convince people. You must wake them from the hypnosis, the train track of everything's fine for the next five minutes. We must raise our eyes beyond the next five minutes. Look a little bit down the road. And they're not going to do it by themselves. You must wake them. Somebody fell asleep on a train tracks. The train is coming. Do you say, well, they might be having a nice dream. This is what is going to happen to your future and to your life. We know this statistically. Anything which mathematically cannot continue will not continue. And everybody hates people who go over the next hill and see a disaster and say, turn back when everybody thinks there's paradise over there and the disaster is behind them. Everybody wants to keep moving forward to the paradise they've been promised, the status quo. The status quo is paradise because changing it puts people in conflict with each other and makes relationships difficult. So what? Too bad. We have to save the future for everyone who's going to live there. So if you run over the next hill and you see a fiery Mordor-style furnace of human immolation you must run back and say to people we must change our course we must jump the tracks we must turn back or turn sideways or anything but going forward for that way doom and disaster and death lie i have studied history for many years a graduate degree in history this is not hyperbole these are facts if you are in winter in the middle ages and you have a certain amount of seed crop A certain amount of crops, you can't eat your seed crop. You'll be full in the winter. You will die in the summer. You'll have nothing to plant. So being able to see through to the summer and saying, stop eating in the here and now, accept your discomfort in the here and now in order to survive in the future, that is what nutritionists do. It's what oncologists do. It's what your doctor does. Take some discomfort now in order to survive in the future. 
and it's your job to do it. It's nobody else's job. It's not the guy down the street. It's not my job. It's not anybody else on the internet or anyone else writing books or anyone else raising their barbaric york above the rooftops of the world. It is your job with everyone around you that you love, if you love them. If you don't love them, whistle and laugh as they walk into the fiery pit of a future that you could have prevented had you spoken up. If you hate them that much, break bread with them and stuff them full of the distracted disasters of their future blindness. Laugh if you want. I think that's horrible. I think that's cruel. I think if you have knowledge and you have the power to communicate, you are as a doctor in a time of plague. Now, a doctor in a time of plague who has a cure can say, eh, I think I'll go golfing, or I think I'll just sit around with people and chat with them while they die, even though my pockets are stuffed full of pills, that will cure them. Okay. It's kind of an asshole move, isn't it? If you are a doctor in a time of plague, get the hell out of your bed. Go talk to people. Yeah, I know. They think the pill is poison. They think they're healthy and you're the diseased one. Too bad. Use your charisma. Use your power. Use your sophistry. Use your passion. Use your clarity. Use your relentlessness. Use whatever tools you can to wake people the hell up. Because society dies always and forever in its sleep. It never dies when it is awake. Wake or die. That is the equation. Wake people or watch them die and follow them into death. It is that serious. It is that close. It is that important. There is a time to be born and a time to die. There is a time for war and a time for peace. This is a time for verbal conflict, for waking people up who don't want to be awakened. I understand that. There is a time to be born and a time to die. And we either give birth to living or we get busy dying. (laughs) Thank you so much. Merry Christmas.